there's this narrative in society that none of us touch ourselves. And then we meet this prince and charming, prince charming, who then rocks our world and gives us these earth shattering orgasms. And, you know, it's really hard. Like, that's just not possible. How is somebody else going to come into our body and figure out how to make it tick and come if we can't do that ourselves? Instead of somebody introducing us to our own bodies, we need to be the ones who are introducing other folks to our bodies. And that's exactly where masturbation comes in. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. Your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 103. And today it's all about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Every like I couldn't I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist making that the title of today's episode because we really do. We get into the nitte gritte of all things sex and beyond. And in a way that uh, we've never talked about sex on the podcast before, I share some shit that I've never talked before, and I am just so thrilled uh, to to have this episode dropping this week. Uh, and before I get into the the goods, I I just wanted to publicly um, say thank you to all of you uh, who have been so kind in reaching out on Instagram. <laughs> Can you guys hear Toby barking in the background? Um, around um, me coming out on the podcast, um, an episode. 101 um, as polyamorous and um, you know between that and then this last week you know being all things um, national coming out day and world mental health day it's just been such a wild week and so much love I just I have been honestly floored and I'm really looking forward next week to coming on the podcast with none other than Kev at my hubs and um chatting all things um polyamory with your Q&A so if you guys have any questions you want me to cover on the podcast I did do a couple of uh question boxes in my Instagram stories this last week but uh, feel free to head to my DMs at Amanda Catherine Loy and ask your questions because we're going to be answering them super fucking honestly on this podcast next week. So gear up for that. Um, and I also wanted to remind you that this is the last week to sign up for Unapologetically Confident. Um, we are going to be kicking off on October 20th. So if you are listening to this after that, um, I'm so sorry. Um, we have a limited amount of spots left. Um, and if you are new to these parts or if you just need a reminder, this is my uh it's become my signature program that I uh, teach as a group program alongside of the incredible and fabulous Rachel Wright. Um, she is a sex educator and a therapist and also happens to be one of my best friends. And we have been teaching this now. Um, this is our third iteration uh, this year because it has been so valuable and so potent and every single week, we tackle some seriously important and really, 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 really challenging sometimes um, uh, topics. And 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 um, and I, I guess they really feel like just modules in a sense. But they're they're 
they're things that we tackle on the day to day, but we don't understand how to, um, at least I didn't for years, understand how to really, really come at them from my true self, from my unapologetic self, right? So we tackle everything from body appreciation um, and um, and uh, morning rituals and sex and sexuality and communication and how to set uh, boundaries and self-talk and identifying your why, uh, all things um, food and feelings and mental health and anxiety and the list goes on. Um, and every single week we focus on one of these things and, and come together in uh, a group coaching live session. Um, as well as we have a private Facebook group, which is secret and solely for the humans that are inside of the space. We cap at 10 people at the max, 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 max um, that we will ever bring in for this program just because we really want to keep it specific and um, and so that you feel like you are truly, truly being immersed in the work. This is about peeling back the layers um, and about really stepping into your true self and understanding your true self. Uh, I feel like so often, you know, we have been taught, especially as female identified humans, um, that uh, we need to be putting on a face and a front. And when we do that, our external life doesn't reflect in the way that we want it to. And often it leaves us feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and burnt out and, um, just like there is something missing and we know that our life could be different and more aligned and and better and that we could be happier <laughs> but we don't know where to start and this is what this program is all about there is nothing like this out there i am so 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 thrilled uh to be putting it into the ether again I don't know that we're going to run it again next year. Um, we usually just kind of play that by ear, depending on our schedules and and um, where we're at in terms of our our energy. So uh, this could be the last time we run it. So if you have been sitting on this program and have been wanting to get in, you can head to the link in my bio and snag your spot, or reach out to me on Instagram um, and just uh, you know let me know if you have any questions about it. There is literally nothing. Nothing worse than not reaching out and seeing if something is is in it and then missing out on an opportunity. I've been there. I've done that. It's the fucking worst. So even if it's not the right thing, you know, Rachel and I will help you, you know, come to that realization and and, and figure out and answer your questions. So, um, yeah, again, you can head to uh, the link in the show notes or you can go over to amandacatherineloy.com forward slash unapologetically dash confident and, um, and snag your spot. We have all sorts of ways to be able to get in, payment plans, everything, all that good stuff. So we cannot wait. All right, let's get into the goods. So today on the pod, I have the incredible Gabrielle Cassell. And if you have not heard of her, I'm just so excited to be able to introduce you to this human um, because she is truly like the epitome of what I think sex education needs to be about uh, on the interwebs. Um, She is so fun. We have very, very similar energy, so I know you guys are going to really immediately just like vibe hard with her. Um, And it's what's really cool is that she is a sex health, sexual health journalist. Um, And so she focuses most of her teachings on writing. Um, And she's been published in a whole slew of really amazing places like Cosmo and Healthline, Women's Health Greatest and Beyond. Um, 
and her her writing just is so relatable and she so openly talks about sex and not just sex but things that I I even like there were some things we were talking about in this and I was like I feel like I'm such an open person and I'm even having a hard time like talking about this or like like we got into like anal play and um you know all sorts of 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 squirting and and beyond and all sorts of shit that like I just didn't really anticipate talking about so mom if you're listening to this maybe don't listen to this episode (laughs) unless you really really want to hear it um that's fine um but really uh I just I love it so much I love what we do what we dove into and something that I think really sets her apart and that we talked about quite a bit in this space is um you know she really focuses on creating a queer inclusive space um and I think that that's something that is really, really rare to see. And um, as somebody who identifies as queer, and I know a lot of you do as well, uh, it was just really refreshing to have these conversations with her and to hear how, you know, being a sex educator has has had impacted her personal life. And um, she, she shared some, like, first shares um, that she's never talked about in her writing or anywhere online. So I felt very honored for that. Um, but also, you know, if you I don't identify as queer, um, there was so much juicy information on how to really amplify your sex life and how to have – pleasure and satisfying orgasms and get your needs met in the bedroom and how to really, um, you know, create a safe and safe environment and a, a fun environment um, when you are having sex and creating that container with your partner or partners. So without further ado, I welcome Gabrielle. Hey, Gabrielle. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited. You guys, this is the first journalist that we've ever had on the podcast, which I'm really excited for because like, I feel like normally you you set yourself apart in this space and I don't know if it's like just your personality or what, but you are so active on social media and like your TikToks like give me life. <laughs> but like seriously. Well, I'm glad they give you life because TikTok, the platform, does not love my uh, my TikTok content. I'm always throwing sex toys and demoing how to use dental dams and condoms and TikTok is not about that sex education. So do I'm they glad like, someone Do they cancel your stuff and like put it away? They have removed every TikTok video I have ever made. Oh so it was not not on TikTok. (laughs) Okay. Well, that sucks. I've had that happen a couple times too when I share about my mastectomy stuff. And it's like the guidelines on TikTok are so much stricter, but also they say specifically like if you're talking about or have scars and it's mastectomy related, it's allowed and they still take my shit down. I got a bone to pick with TikTok. Yeah, but whatever. It's fine. But I love it. And I love, I feel like you're so personable. I feel like a lot of writers tend to like hide behind their writing. And I know that this is like what you said. This is the second podcast episode. This is what you're Only my second podcast episode. <laughs> I'm so excited that I get to have you on because I have to be honest. Like when I first discovered you through our mutual friend, Rachel, mm-hmm. I was like, this human is me in a box, but she's talking about sex toys like all the time. And like, I don't necessarily do that for my work, but I love it so much. And I just felt like I immediately felt this related relatability to you, which I think can often be really hard for writers. So I'm super excited to have you here. And I know I already did all the introduction stuff, but I would love to like dive into 
how and why like you got so focused in this particular space from a journalism standpoint because I mean it's like queer focused and like sex education but like even beyond the what I see typical sex educators talking about in such an open and fun and playful way so like how did that even come to pass for you? Yeah yeah so folks who haven't read me before my name's Gabrielle Cassell and I primarily write basically queer sex content. So that can be anything from anal fisting to scissoring to STI tips to libido intel to how to find the pleasure product that's right for you. Um, So why do I cover those topics? Primarily because I wanted those topics to exist on the internet outside of porn when I was coming into my sexuality. Um, So a really sort of fun interesting thing happened in 2016, 2017, is that Google stopped wanting to prioritize porn content when you search things like lesbian sex or fisting and started wanting to um, promote educational content. Mm. So all of these brands and magazines who for so long weren't publishing articles on that content because it just wasn't going to perform the way um, content geared towards het, het folks would yeah. um, now had incentive to be publishing articles on that content. Mm-hmm. So I entered the space at at basically the perfect time from an from what is called an SEO or search engine optimization standpoint. Yeah. So you started your journalism career as that was kicking off. So I started it about a year and a half prior to that in 2016. Okay. And at the time got a lot of pushback when I was pitching stories that I am writing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have even gone back into my emails from 2016 and I'm still pitching stories that were rejected then and now having them, them accept, accepted four years later. So interesting. Um, so because those stories, the queer inclusive sex sex stories were getting rejected at the time I was primarily focused on fitness which is another love of mine I do some CrossFit coaching yeah 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 we have we have a share a love of fitness so I love that um I'm just I'm so curious if like when you went into journalism do you went to school for journalism yes Uh, so I went to a liberal arts school I went to Smith College and majored in queer studies and English (gasps) love about sex as an undergrad and then Decided I wanted to do that professionally. Amazing. And so when you stepped into the journalism space, did you always know that you wanted to write about the sex? Like, was that just like from the get-go or did that evolve? Um, I think it evolved. I always knew I wanted to write queer-focused stories. And I think at the time, my headspace was, you know, what does it mean to be a queer person doing fitness? What does it mean Mm. to be a queer person who wants to start a family? Um, So I think it was sort of less racy content originally in my head. But then as I got into it, I was like, oh, I want to write about fucking. I love that. I love that so much. I like as a queer person myself, I, I just feel like you are shining such a beautiful light. And while it, while it is maybe more on your perspective, you're like, people want to see this. I personally still feel like there is a lack, like a huge, huge lack. And as somebody who's been only starting to come into like my sexuality as a queer woman in the last two years, really, like I remember even as back as like, you know, 2018, 20, 2017, yeah. looking for stuff to understand like, why am I having these, these feelings? Like, like I, I, you know, I had never, I, I'm sorry, mom, TMI. So let's stop listening right now because I'm going to get, we're going to get into the goods. But like, I had never really 
you know, examined like anal play before or really gotten into like my kinks or understood like what if what a, my body could actually do because yeah. one, I didn't even know that like you, I heard about squirting, but like I didn't know that it was a thing that could happen. Like I just thought it was like this like wild concept that like really only porn stars did, you know, right. like because that's right. the way it was it was exemplified in the media and and around me and nobody nobody talks about it like even my friends like i love them so much but like we we don't really tend to talk about like all the different sex positions we've tried and like how many orgasms we've had like yeah i want to talk about those things but you know it's just so rare to see and so i i love it i love that you're literally just basically doing this exclusively it's so incredible i guess my question is like did you ever have because I know I talk about a lot of taboo things and we talk, that's really my, my mission on this podcast. But like, I find that it can be really scary to do that. Put yourself out there. There can be a lot of shame around that, especially in queer spaces. Like it tends to be so much like, oh, you're queer. It's because you're so sex, like sex, 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 sex. That's all you want and want you care about. Like, was that ever a narrative that played for you or? It wasn't so much shame around writing how-to guides around any of the various sex sex acts or sex positions that I was talking about. It was more, it did take me a long time to figure out what my boundaries were around what I want to share from my personal sex life and my personal mm. sexual journey in my writing. Because it's one thing to give folks the tools that they need to have safer um, anal sex. It's another thing to write a first person story about like what my first time having anal sex was like. Mm. Um, and so even to this day, I'm still sort of constantly navigating those boundaries and constantly navigating those boundaries with my partner or yeah. partners. Yeah. So what has been your most like mm, vulnerable share? Oh gosh. Um, let me think about this. I think, so right now I do a lot of sex toy reviews, a lot of written reviews, and then I do some video reviews on my Instagram. Yeah. And I think the first time that I wrote a written review of a sex toy, that felt really vulnerable because I had never been like, hey, my clit is sensitive. So this toy was really good for me because it wasn't super mm -hmm. powerful. Like that is a lot of information for folks whose names I don't know locations I don't know ages I don't know any I don't know anything about them and now they know that my my nub is super sensitive um yeah. so I think the first time the story went live and I think the first one I did was on the Lawand point which I still recommend to all folks what is it um, called the wand that, point the Lawand so it's oh. made by company Lawand and Lawand. it's a, it's a I love it. okay I'll put that in the comment or the show notes for you guys cool I'm, cool. I'm gonna ask you all about sex stories because as I do. I feel like I I have a whole bunch, but I need to like expand my repertoire for show. So yeah. I love that you do that as part of your work. Well, and I feel lucky that as part of my work, I get sent sex toys. Yeah, to I'm like, can I get sent sex toys, please? <laughs> <laughs> so sex amazing. toy companies, listen to Amanda, send her stuff. <laughs> I know. I've been I've been reaching out to a few companies to see if they wanted to um to to rock out and sponsor the podcast. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if those come together for y'all, so you can get some discount codes. But also, I'm sure you have a whole bunch on your on your channel as well. So people can definitely reach out and and uh, and check that out in your space okay so ha huh, so fascinating so like because I know I talk a lot first person personally from for my stuff and I agree like I think that that always feels more more vulnerable do you feel like stepping into this world 
for work has expanded your personal experiences? Like, I th- I would think that being a sex educator, and again, this is my, total my my biases and my just like assumptions coming out. I would think that being a sex educator would mean like I want to try all the things so that I can speak to this like from an authentic point of view. Is that something that you've experienced too? Um, being a sex educator and writing about sex has definitely changed my sex life. Mm. Um, for starters, I get the opportunity to try toys that I otherwise wouldn't be able to afford. You know, as a freelancer, I don't get healthcare, but I get free sex toys. So <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> and you know, you 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 write hundreds of articles telling folks to communicate within their own sex lives, and that communication and lube are the two things that are going to make their sex lives better. That after a certain point, it's like, okay, Gabby, like time to really ramp up your communication game, time to talk before sex, time to establish boundaries ahead of time, time to communicate when your clit is just not getting action, time to talk after sex so that you can debrief so that the sex the next time is better. And while I like to think that I would have learned to communicate in those ways had I not been a sex journalist, I think being a sex journalist definitely helped me introduce that into my sexual practices sooner. Totally. I think that is something that I'm sure most people listening are like, I don't ever do that with my partner or partners. Like, I'm sure that that is really – can you share some, like, of your top favorite ways to not – because I know personally, like, I've been with my current, like, long-term partner for – it'll be 10 years in a couple of months, which is wild. Mm -hmm. But, like, that communication – didn't happen for a long, long time until we really, really were intentional with it. And it's only because I have other people like yourself, you know, sharing about these things and I was able to learn. But I think that I would think most people don't fucking do that. Like, and I certainly don't do it all the time, especially with like new partners that can be really scary and vulnerable to be like, how is that for you? And then be like, not great. (laughs) You know, like, how do you, how do you even open the door to that? So it's interesting. I will say that being queer and knowing that I was queer and having folks with people who weren't men um, for my early sexual experiences kind of forced me to have those conversations because when there's not a penis and there's not a vagina that it's going to be going into, it's like, well, what does sex look like for us? So in a lot of ways, being a queer person forced those conversations earlier in my sex life um, around like, what do we want to do and like, what sounds good? Um, than maybe would happen for folks who aren't queer or weren't aware of that queerness early in life. Um, So I feel lucky that I had those experiences so early on. Um, In terms of advice for other folks, it sounds cheesy, but I'm a big fan of the Oreo method or the sandwich method, which is compliment, suggestion about thing that could go have gone better mm. and then another compliment got you, got you. you just come out and you're like like yikes that sex was not good <laughs> like yeah I mean that's not going to make your partner feel good and mm. and it's likely going to create a self-consciousness for for them that's going to result in sort of performance anxiety for the next time so if mm. you can tell them what felt good um maybe give a suggestion and then tell them what felt good again I find that method works really well Mm. um I'm trying to think of a specific example like I really loved the way it felt when when you went down on me you looked so hot when you made eye contact while you were licking my clit it didn't feel as good when you started fucking me with your tongue like I'm just not as sensitive inside my vagina but it really felt good when you were touching my clit yeah. So you kind of layer layer what your suggestions are. Do you feel like communicating like in the moment 
is also something that you recommend or have experience like experience around like because I think that's something that personally I think I I lended myself more to just naturally Mm -hmm. was like oh yeah that feels really good or like can you go harder or whatever, you know, the, the, the need is in the moment. Like, is that something that you also recommend or is it more of like before or after sex, as you mentioned before? No, no, definitely during can be great too. Cause then you're, then you're troubleshooting in the moment. And I will say for folks who don't have the language around how to sort of change what their partner's doing, or they know it feels off, but they're not like, they're not like, I don't know whether I want them to go right or left. Yeah. Something like, Hey, can I show you how I like to do it myself? Or can I, can I move your, your head where I want it to be? I think physical demonstrations can be really helpful when words fail. Do you think part of how that, that becomes easier is through self-pleasure? Because I feel like before I was really masturbating, like I didn't really understand how to even like give that kind of feedback yeah I mean there's this narrative in society that none of us touch ourselves and then we meet this prince and charming prince charming who then rocks our world and gives us these earth-shattering orgasms completely and you know it's really hard like that's just not possible how is somebody else going to come into our body and figure out how to make it tick and come if we can't do that ourselves Mm. instead of somebody introducing us to our own bodies we need to be the ones who are introducing other folks to our bodies and that's exactly where masturbation comes in i fucking preach But, but I mean, I will completely say that like, I didn't do that. I didn't know how, you know, to do how to do that. And I, I, I also had this narrative and maybe you've, you've heard this from, from some of your followers, but like I had this narrative for the longest time that if I used any vibrational toy, any vibrational toy that I was going to lose sensitivity to my clit. And so I just didn't masturbate for like a long time and like sometimes I would touch myself with my own like hands yeah but like I never use toys especially of the vibrational like any any vibrators because I was like I'm gonna lose it I'm gonna lose it and then when I have it in you know IRL it's gonna like not be great and that's gonna make me sad yeah yeah I think the idea that vibrators ruin using vibrators during solo sex ruins partner sex is a really pervasive myth um, so if you're listening, know that that is not true. Um, <laughs> our bodies can get used to orgasming from a really specific sensation. So that can happen with vibration. Your bodies can get used from vibration and therefore vi- uh, orgasm more quickly because that's how we've been trained to orgasm. But it is not going to ruin your ability to orgasm in other ways. It is mm. not going to kill the nerves in your clit. I mean, there's so many of them. I literally thought that that was true though. For the, it made me so sad when I realized that wasn't the case and I had been way missing out on like all that experience because I love me some vibrations. I love it. I love it too. Okay. I, I want to pivot for a second because I think what makes you so unique in the work that you do is that it is queer focused. Like, what about like what do you feel like you get the most questions around in that space because like I know you mentioned like earlier like anal fisting and like all the stuff and I'm like I know probably a lot of people hearing this are like whoa (laughs) what does that entail and like how do I like is that really real like do people actually do that like I thought that was a myth like how like how are what are the big questions you find that you get a lot out of and like that there's just not a lot of awareness around the questions I get the most are around strap-on play. So be that um, 
like strap on in vagina sex or strap on in anal sex, um, questions around how to find a harness that is going to be good, mm-hmm. how to find a dildo that is the right size, um, that and is the right material, is the right material. Totally. Um, a lot of questions around strap on play. Ooh, so how would somebody start? Because I personally have experience in using strap. Y'all, I've never talked about this on the podcast. I'm so stoked. But like, I've I have experience in using strap-ons, and I found it really daunting when I went to the when I went to the store for the first time. And I mean, I will say that like it still is daunting. But I was like, I didn't know that like you could have ones that have like it's like you're wearing underwear, and it just kind of like goes in there and then like you can like it's been so fun though like I'm like I can wave it around kind of like I'm like I'm a dude I always wanted to have a penis so like I but I still find it really daunting and I honestly don't feel like I've found the right thing for it to just like one feel really pleasurable and especially because like I don't know. There's a difference between I've always been like there's a dildo and then there's a, the real dick thing. And because I am bi, I like I, I, I like both, you know, but like I find that it tends to feel more pleasurable when it's the real dick. But I don't feel like it needs to. So like how how where do I go? Okay, so, so first off, terminology note, strap on is the term that's used for a dildo plus a harness. Okay. So when you go shopping for any strap on play, whether it's pegging or strap on vaginal sex. Um, my recommendation would be rather than buying a strap on set, cause you can buy them together, buy them separately. Yeah. Um, ideally, if you have a partner who you're going to be using the strap on with, you want the person who's going to be wearing the harness to pick out the harness and you want the person who's going to be receiving the dildo to pick out the dildo. Mm-hmm. So in terms of harnesses, you have two main types that you want to that you get to choose from. There's strap-on style, which kind of look like jock straps if you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Athletes. Yeah. And then there's the underwear style that you were talking about. Okay. Um, the benefit of the strap-on style is you can typically get them snugger to your body. So you have more control when you are thrusting with the dildo. Mm-hmm. The benefit of the underwear style harness is that it um, they look like underwear. Yeah. So it can be sort of like less jarring in the mirror for folks who don't like the strap-on style. Totally. Um, so your, your aesthetic preferences and your sort of comfort around how much control you have, that should dictate the harness. Love. In terms of the dildo, so first things first, it needs to be made of a non-porous material. So porous basically means that it has tiny microscopic holes that bacteria can get in and lodge themselves in and stay in even after you clean the dildo. So you want a non-porous material, which means you can get it completely clean. So what would that be? So those materials are going to be a medical grade silicone, a stainless steel, and then a glass. Glass and stainless steel have their own benefits. They're really smooth, they're heavier, and they're great for temperature play. But because they're heavier than a medical grade silicone, they often aren't going to work in a harness because they're just too heavy. They're kind of kind of like fall out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I would recommend starting with medical grade silicone. Okay. okay, so now you know you want medical grade silicone. Where do you? How do you figure out what size to get? Because there's like size shapes and like different level of flexibility. And I was like, I don't yeah. even know. This one looks nice. It's pink. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, to you, if you have one like that that you're like, oh, this looks nice. It's pink. Go to the one that you're aesthetically drawn to. You're not going to want to fuck something that you're not aesthetically drawn to. Yeah. So I I think that's a great idea. Um, Other questions to ask yourself is, you know, do I want a realistic or a non-realistic dildo? 
Um, do I want it to have texture versus not having texture? Mm -hmm. Generally, I recommend no texture for first timers, especially for anal play, because the texture can be super intense on totally. the anal canal. Totally. Um, and then start small. Like there is no, no reason to get the biggest or even a medium sized dildo to start. You can always size up it is going to feel bigger than you think it's going to feel. And for the person who is strapped on and wearing the dildo, the dildo is going to feel bigger than you think it's going to feel. Mm. Um, okay. So you have the strap on. Once you get it, wear it around the house. <laughs> Dance in it. Masturbate. You know, give yourself a hand job with it. It is going to be a little unruly. It might feel fun and unruly. Yeah. It might feel awkward and unruly, yeah. but it's going to be more awkward than maybe you think it's going to feel and know that that is completely normal. So I get a lot of questions from folks who are like, I bought a strap on and I tried to use it and I didn't know what I was doing. Know that you're not supposed to know what you're doing the first time. That makes it's me okay feel so much sex, better. <laughs> right? It's okay if sex does not feel like the most intuitive thing in the world. You know, mm -hmm. it's going to take some practice to, to figure out how to use it, where you want to position the dildo, um, the angles, the positions. I mean, there's so much. So I've been babbling for a while. No, Ask me follow-up questions. I love it. I, th I also love that you are included because I think I used to see the use of strap-ons and dildos as like uh, only a queer space. Like that was really the only place I expected that to live. And I love that you're speaking to also like heteronormative like relationship dynamics where it's a man and a woman like playing together too with that space because I just don't feel like people talk about that really I mean I think a dildo is a great addition to anyone's sex toy collection who either knows they enjoy a feeling of fullness fullness and wants to have that feeling of fullness hands-free mm -hmm. or who is interested in experiencing a film feeling of fullness hands-free so, what so yeah it doesn't matter the gender yeah or the sex or what are the, some the ways that like uh, a man and a woman who, who identify as those things, what are some ways that they could incorporate a dildo into their sex life? So, you know, it's important to remember that a dildo does not always have to go into a harness. It can use, be used by your hand. Um, I think using a dildo, somebody holding it, um, either lathering it with lube, lathering your bits with lube, and just using it along the external genitals, um, that can be a really fun place to start. You can also sort of fuck yourself or fuck your partner while holding the dildo in your hand. Mm -hmm. Some dildos have suction cups. So if you, if your partner is a voyeur, you can suction cup it to like the bathroom, the bath ledge or the bathroom wall and fuck yourself while your partner watches. Um, I think finding sort of ways you might not think to use a dildo, to use a dildo to start can, can really sort of Help force the conversation it. around other ways you might want to use it. Totally. I love that. I, uh, I, uh, I give full recommendation to the suction cup. It's real fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and definitely feel free to test out some of them. If you go to a sex shop, like test them out on the wall. Cause there are some sex suction toys that, that are actually. less suction than others. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. No, I love that though. And I, I also wanted to, to ask because I, I know this is something that I've seen other sex educators talk about around anal play. It's like if men who identify as straight, are like, I'm interested in this. Does that mean I'm gay? Can we just, I know I have mostly women speaking to this, but probably a lot of you have male partners. So like, can you speak to that? Because I think okay, that that's so, something that is so taboo and I want to just bust that myth right down. Okay, so envision what I'm about to say with clap hand emojis. <laughs> 
sex acts do not have sexual orientations. Mm-hmm. People have sexual orientations. Um, so do, does anal play make you gay? No, it absolutely does not make you gay. Um, cis, cis men, so people with penises, they have something called a prostate, prostate, which is the male equivalent of the G spot. And it's located about two inches on the inside of the anal canal. So for them, anal play is going to stimulate one of their most nerve dense regions of the body. So does it make them gay that they want to stimulate one of the most nerve-dense regions of the body? Fuck no. It makes them a pleasure seeker who wants to have the best sex possible. Um, So yeah, no. Thank you. I just wanted to speak to that real fast because I think, I think that's something that, you know, even as women, I think like if we were, if we were to be like, you want to introduce this? Like, I think that would be one, a scary thing to talk talk about Mm -hmm. if we don't have the verbiage around it which you just gave us. So thank you. And two, just like, yeah, there's, there's so much, there's so much like a taboo. There's such a taboo nature around that. And even like, even around women having anal play, like I remember in high school and like college, you know, everyone being like, I will never let my man put his penis in my butthole. Like, <laughs> like yeah. It was just this, like, I wouldn't do that. It's dirty. It's gross. And I'm like, but it feels good. Like why, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or it feels, it felt so painful and like, it's because it's not, you know, you're not, you're not taking the time and like really going through it. And, and, not, and that's not to say that everyone, you know, finds that enjoyable. I'm sure there mm-hmm. are many humans who don't, but like, I know when I first started entering into that space, it was not super like enjoyable at first. And I had to like learn and like communicate around how to like bring that in so if somebody has never tried it before and is interested in taking that step whoever they are and however they identify like what would you recommend so what I would first say is I feel like there's a lot of fear that anal sex is going to be painful and I just want to say anal sex should not be painful pain is the body's way of telling you that something's a little off so if something starts to hurt when you're exploring anal play stop don't try to push through it um pushing through it is not going to do you any good. It's not going to do your partner any good. What the pain is saying is we went too fast. So let me explain. The ass or the anal canal is a muscle. That muscle is typically cinched really tight or flexed. In order for anal sex to be pleasurable, that muscle has to start to relax. But because it's been flexed so tight for so much of our lives, we're pretty stressed out population, we have to train our anal muscle to relax. Mm. So that could take just an hour of um, rimming or oral anal sex, or that could take weeks of, you know, oral anal sex, and then maybe the first knuckle of a finger, or maybe the babyest butt plug that there is. It takes a really long time to Mm. to train up to... Um, maybe a dildo or a penis. So the same way that if you were, we'll use a fitness metaphor, (laughs) the same way if you were training your bicep muscle, you wouldn't be able to immediately, unless you're, you know, a CrossFit Games athlete, start curling in a hundred pound dumbbell. You would have to start small, maybe start with that 10 pound dumbbell and then the 15 pound dumbbell and so on and so on. And you need to train your anal muscle in that same way. Mm. So I just want to call out that anal should not be painful. And the the, re- the way that you prevent it from being painful is by really uh, following the steps and going slow. I love that. Also, lube. Lube, 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 lube. 
Um, the anus is not self-lubricating the way the vagina can be. And so while I think you should use lube for all sex acts ever, it is an <laughs> absolute non-negotiable for anal play. Totally. I love that you said that. And I think that most people probably have never done it that way, to be yeah. frank. Yeah. Zero to dildo is the, uh, is the American way or zero to penis. To penis, yeah. So, okay. So question involving that experience, because you mentioned – rimming or as you say like anal or or anal oral oral anal whatever um and I think that that's something that a lot of people would hear and probably heard just now and we're like "Mm, nope hard no hard pass that's gross that's where poop comes out like that's what a lot of people I know have have expressed so how how to like a make that a pleasurable experience if that is something that you're worried about and b like get rid of that I don't know, like negative perception around the experience? Yeah, yeah. So um, unless you've done a really shitty job wiping yourself, there's not going to be poop around the entrance of your anus. That's not where it's stored. Mm -hmm. It's stored in your colon, which is higher than your anal canal. Mm -hmm. Um, So in in terms of cleanup, a baby wipe, a fragrance-free baby wipe, that's enough. I recommend a shower because I just think it makes folks feel more comfortable. So in terms of cleaning the area – You don't need to do anything wild like douche or um, use an enema. In fact, that's not something I would recommend. I think a shower works just fine, especially for uh, mouth to anus contact. Um, If you don't feel comfortable having your butthole licked, another sensation you can try that kind of mirrors that is by um, having your partner or doing this on yourself coat their finger in lubricant and just kind of tracing the outside of the anus Mm -hmm. that that creates a pretty similar sensation to to oral anal which once you get used to that sensation can make actual oral anal feel more comfortable for you love it thank you for sharing that piece because I know a lot of people were probably like what (laughs) yeah yeah I love it so much okay in your personal experience like I know you said that it's really shifted your sex life can you speak a little bit more to how it has like what do you feel like being in this space as an educator as a journalist has 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 done for you personally um it's made me feel more comfortable advocating for both what I want and what I want to know um I feel I felt before I was a sex educator writing in this space that I wasn't actually sure how to ask folks what their STI status was and when the last time they had been tested was. And through writing articles on the topic about how to ask and um, getting the opportunity to interview STI advocates, I feel like I have the toolbox to ask. Mm. Um, And I realized that, that me asking is me showing that I care about my own health and my partner's health. Can we uh, and pause so if for somebody a is like, I don't need to get tested or it's been a few years, it's like, okay, so totally. that person doesn't care either about their own health or my health. And that's a, that's a deal breaker for me. And it's okay that that's a deal breaker. Thank you for speaking to this. And I want to get back to the rest of, in a second, mm-hmm. but I just want to highlight this for a second because I think that there is such a stigma around asking um, for res- or even to see results and just to mm-hmm. have that awareness and and to to because I think there's two things. One, I think some people, um, if they if they do have an STI, are have a lot, hold a lot of shame around that. Right. I think also there's the the feeling that like, oh, are you asking me this because you don't think I'm quote clean? Which I 
I want you to speak yeah, to. Because, I roll at the word clean. Yeah, but like I, I have feelings around that, but I know you have feelings around that. Um, and and two because or three because it's like, well, why do you? Is it this trust thing? Like, why do you feel this way? And like, whatever. So, can you just speak a little bit to this more? Because I think this is something I've only recently, like, really, well, in the last few years, like, really, really been advocating for in my personal life, mm-hmm. and agree that it's a boundary and it's a non-negotiable. But like, how how do you even? change the the narrative around that because I think it's such a widespread shame narrative really right right um so I think for starters not using words like clean and dirty you're just finding information out about this person's health that could affect you yeah um so the same way that if somebody had just torn an ACL you would probably want to know that before trying a crazy standing doggy style position. This is other information that you should probably know about their health before having sex with them. Um, A way that I find it helpful to to frame it is if I'm worried about my sexual health when we're having sex, I'm not going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. So knowing your STI status, you knowing my STI status and us taking the sort of precautions that we have decided to take as a result of that shared knowledge helps me actually enjoy this experience better and will make me want to and is more likely to result in me wanting to have sex with you a second time Mm, love that love that love that love that I'm so glad we're speaking to that because I just think it's it's something that most people just like don't ever actually ask for yeah or advocate for for themselves yeah, the other way to that I think being a sex educator has impacted my sex life is in sleeping with people with penises. I've been shocked by how many folks are wearing the wrong condom size. Oh, say more, I say more. Like, so I feel like um, Trojan has just completely, um, am I allowed to say brands on here? Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, I feel like they have the market covered so that folks go to the CVS and then they just pick up Trojan or whatever it is that they're sort of- Completely, um, I feel like those is. are the only condoms I've used, yeah. And then that's it. There's no experimentation. But yeah. like, here's an example. When I was trying to figure out what tampons I wanted to use every month, I, do you know how many different boxes I, I had to go through before I found the one that like felt really? the best for yeah. my body? Condom, people with penises should be experimenting with different condoms, in my opinion, outside of sexual contact. So then there's not the stress associated with that yeah. um, when they're figuring out what condom they want. If, they're, if their penis is turning a funky color, it's probably too small. Oh my God. If it, if you have a bag, if it looks like you have a baggie around your penis, it's probably too big. And there is no shame around using a condom that fits you. It's like wearing clothes that fit you. There is no shame in using a condom that fits your penis because in order for that condom to be an effective birth control method, it needs to fit the penis. So I think one of the things I've been shocked about is just this idea that condoms are these, is this like universally sized thing when Mm. they're just not. What? Um, as you say, Trojan is like the main go-to. Do you have other condom brands that like you personally experience that you much prefer? Um, so I like skin condoms. Okay. Um, Sustain has some that I've used. I, I do actually like Trojan. Mm-hmm. Um, but my thing is like try out a few of the different types of condoms that Trojan has. Mostly because from an experiential standpoint, not everybody, like just statistically speaking, not every penis owner is going to like the same condom. Yeah, totally. Totally. I love that. That's such a good tip. And I'll put those the link to skin condoms because I've heard good stuff about that um, mm. in, the, in the show notes for you guys. Oh my gosh, so many things. Okay, 
I want to get to fast fun questions, but before we do, I want to speak a little bit to like the okay because we've ta- we've tackled sex toys and we've tackled like uh, things, but what are some of the more taboo? subjects like I know we talked about like anal play but even that doesn't feel like at least to me it doesn't feel insanely taboo I think we've been talking about anal sex for a long time like Mm -hmm. what I know we talked briefly about fisting but like what are some of the more taboo sex acts or experiences that you have written about experience that like you want to speak to because I just think it's so important to like rip the curtain open around stuff so that people know that like there's stuff that you can try or maybe you haven't experienced yet So I just want to say I feel like sex toys are still pretty taboo. Okay. And I think quarantine has done a good job at sort of forcing folks to um, buy. I feel like so many people have gotten their first ever sex toy during quarantine. Oh, I love that. Um, So I do want to just shout out that I feel like vibrators, be it bullet vibrators or wand vibrators or whatever, still are kind of stigmatized as this thing that is a partner replacement or that you use when your partner is quote unquote, not up to the task. And that is simply not true. Vibrators are something that you can use to enhance the experience, be it solo or partnered. Um, Sometimes they're used so that you can free up your partner's hands for something else. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're used because they can just consistently move at a speed that you need to orgasm when the way a human muscle just physiologically cannot. Um, So I just want to say that if, if, if you're having anal, great. If you're exploring fisting, great. If you're using blowjob dildos, great. But also if you are sort of at the beginning of your sex exploration and for you, that means buying a vibrator, like please do that because it can be such a pleasure game changer. I love that. I love that. I really, really appreciate that because I think you're right. Like the the fact that I, th- I think I used to use vibrators when like I was long distance or like – you know, it had been a while since I'd seen my partner and like, I was just really horny. <laughs> like and I yeah, just needed yeah. to like let off some steam versus like now it's, yeah, like I use it during sex. Like I, and, and like with myself all the time, like, I'm like the more orgasms you can have, the better. Oh, also one thing that I wanted to hear your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on like sex without orgasm? So fun fact, I don't know if I've shared this. Well, it's only my second podcast. So no, I have not shared this on a podcast before, but I've been in this line of work for now over five years and I just had my first orgasm this year. So I am team sex without orgasm or team sex without the orgasm imperative. I love that you're speaking to this. Fuck yes. So orgasm imperative is this idea that since all of these stats have been released around how infrequently people with vaginas orgasm during sex, there's become this like idea that I have to make my partner orgasm during sex. Completely. And if I don't, the sex was a capital F fail. Completely. And that is not true. On the contrary, pressuring your partner into orgasm or making orgasm the point of the sex when the point should be mutual pleasure can actually ruin the experience. Mm. So I'm all for taking orgasm off the table and having sex for the point of pleasure, which is what I think the point of sex should be. Mm. Um, Then if orgasm happens, great. The orgasm is like the mint at the end of a really fancy dinner that you had with your partner. It is not the main course. The main course is the pleasure. I love that. And I think so many humans, myself included for the longest time, like associated pleasure with orgasm and if there wasn't the orgasm it meant it wasn't a pleasurable experience but I know I personally like 
get pleasure in just like not even if I'm not even being touched sometimes like just the experience of like you know taking care of one of you know my partners and like having them you know feel so good like that is pleasurable to me or even just like having like my skin tickled and like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to end in this giant like overwhelming cacophony of feelings you know right I love that. Right. Thank you for speaking to that because that is ah, I love that, and I love that you're sharing about that. So, have you written about that? Not yet, but I I want to. I would love, love, love to see that article when you do. You have to share with me. Okay, at the end, whenever I have new humans on the pod, we do like fast, fun questions. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Me. Um. Oh, this is one I've been asking now that we're like in this world of pandemic land. What has been your biggest lesson? through the pandemic? Um, I'll keep it focused on sex because that's what we've been talking about. And that is that it is okay if your libido is completely MIA in the middle of a global pandemic Mm. because anything that affects you affects your sex life. So if you are stressed, that stress is likely going to affect your sex life. And for me, that's resulted in my libido being totally MIA. And so I've had to come to terms with the fact that that's okay and that my libido will eventually return. Totally. Love that. I know a lot of other people are feeling that. So that probably made them feel a lot less alone. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Um, What is something that is uh, bringing you joy right now? Um, I've been back on the dating apps, which has been so fun. I feel like I've had so much fun just connecting with folks Mm. and because IRL dating is kind of wonky and the idea of meeting up is sort of like up in the it's air. Weird. It's different. Um, yeah. I've been really enjoying the virtual connections that I've been able to make with folks. I love that. What apps do you love to use? Oh, do I love to use any of them? Yeah, I know. <laughs> or do I get the job done? Uh, yeah, no. So I've been on Tinder. I've checked out Hinge. Um, I'm on Field. I love Field. Hashtag open. I downloaded Lex. I'm like all over. You're doing the place. it all. Have you tried OkCupid before? Do you like that one? Um, I've tried it before, but in my head, it is like so the app that I used in 2012. Yeah, I <laughs> that I like need to mentally get past that. Totally. I had never used apps before um, entering into Poly, and so I was like, "What is this world?" Because you know, I met my husband like in t- what the fuck year was it? 2011, and it was like right when apps were starting to like emerge but like I wasn't really on like match.com was like the big thing so like the experience of being on an app has been such a revelatory experience for me and I'm just like what are these and I had to like limit it because it was very overwhelming also there are not a lot of apps that are like geared towards non-monogamy say that again I was just gonna say there are not a lot of apps that are like geared towards non-monogamy too so that Mm -hmm. has been limiting for me um but so like I've never been on like tinder or or hinge um and that kind of stuff what were you yeah, gonna say i though? mean in downloading the apps i'm sure you're like oh, is it a good thing that i can in in theory look for potential partners while going to the bathroom like is that totally a good i'm thing? like is pooping on the toilet and chatting with people all the time this is my confession <laughs> mine too i love it oh my god that's so amazing okay i think you mentioned something around this before but what is your favorite sex toy of all time um I'm gonna recommend a harness the spare parts jock 
Um, I like this harness a lot. It's a strap style harness. It has two little pockets for bullet vibrators. So the wearer can receive clitoral stimulation. Um, It makes my ass look amazing (gasps) and it's super adjustable. So it can be used by folks with a wide variety of bodies. Also it's, it's um, machine washable. So after you use it, you can just pop it in the washing machine. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to stick this in the comments and and the show notes for you guys because I need that for myself apparently. (laughs) I I recommend it. Yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, and last question, and this is the most important question to me and the one I ask all of my humans who come on, and that is, what does it mean to you to live your fuck yes life? For me, it means when folks ask what I do, telling them and not Mm -hmm. sort of fudging it. Um, When I first got into this line of work, it would be really like me to be like, oh, I write about wellness. Or, you know, some other like phrase that stood in for sex. And so for me, telling folks that I write about sex, one means being really authentic about what I do and also means allowing other folks who might want to work with a sexuality professional. I think it helps normalize that. Um, Mm. So becoming comfortable telling folks what I do, even if I'm outside of a city that I know is going to be really accepting of that, like New York, mm. um, has has felt really powerful for me. Right, because you're not in New York anymore, right? I'm not in New York anymore. So oh, that- and I also think living my fuck yes life also means saying no to shit that I actually don't have time to do. Um, I work for myself. <laughs> and so sometimes I get really excited by the opportunities that come my way. And I say, yes, 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 yes. And then I have no time for myself and no time for pleasure. And my life is work. And that, that is not what my fuck yes life looks like to me. Yeah. So I've been sort of learning to say, to say no and feel empowered in my ability to say no to, to opportunities. I love that. Especially because, you know, being embodied in your pleasure is probably what you need in order to be able to do your work. Yeah. Like at your highest. Yeah, exactly. So I love that. I think that's such a beautiful lesson and one we can all take away, especially because this is a really weird time that we're living in right now. Like pandemic world is, you know, it's like there's so many things lacking and yet it feels almost like there's more than ever happening around us. I don't know about y'all, but I'm experiencing that for sure. And I think before I used to utilize this concept of saying no and and setting that boundary to like social events or, Mm -hmm. you know, having too much on my calendar and my schedule. But I think sometimes like being able to say like, no, I don't have time to hold space for you right now because I'm energetically exhausted from the day. Or no, I cannot be on the phone with you, mom, for two hours while you tell me about, I don't know, this problem you're having at work. Like I Mm -hmm. literally need to lay in a bathtub and not have anybody around me because I need to save my energy and my mental health is like suffering right now. So I need to really, really own that. Like I think – I think that that's a beautiful statement and one that we can probably all identify with generally speaking, but I think right now being able to say that in a new light and for new reasons is also Mm -hmm. super valid. So, Mm -hmm. And and saying saying no and being transparent that it's because you need to take a bath or because – Yeah, like do not feel the shame around why you're doing that. Or even like canceling plans, like virtual plans, like canceling virtual plans. I mean like I'm sorry, like – I've been online all day. My my brain cannot look at another screen. I need to like get the fuck outside. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Exactly. Oh, amazing. You are 
so, so, so fab. I'm so, so, so thrilled that we were able to get you on the pod. Um, and I know that everyone who is listening 100% wants to connect with you. So can you let everybody know where they can find you online and, and get more in your sphere? Um, so I am Gabrielle Cassell and Amanda will spell that in the show notes totally. on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Instagram is my main jam. I turn my articles into shareable graphics and I review pleasure products and I post funny photos of myself fake juggling sex toys. I love so it. Give me so a follow. <laughs> She's the absolute fucking best. And I'm just so, so thrilled that you are in my world and my space and make sure that you guys follow her and and give her some love and, and check out all of her sex toy reviews and everything good and all of her articles. So thank you again for being here. And um, yeah, I adore you. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. And there you have it. Thank you, Gabrielle, so much for coming on the pod and for all of the info we talked about and everything that I said would be in the show notes. You can head over to your show notes in your current app, or you can just go to amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash one zero three. Ugh, this was such a great, great interview. And I hope it explains you know, gives you the permission to explore and maybe open the dialogue with your partner or partners around some new things to try or maybe, you know, check out one of the sex toys she she mentioned. Um, I know I'm feeling inspired and energized and I hope that you don't just listen, that you take action too because I think that's how we really grow as humans, right? Inspired action. Y'all know I'm all about that. Um, so yeah, again, all of the goods are over there. And again, if you would like to join in, this upcoming round of Unapologetically Confident, please reach out to me. You can shoot me a DM um, or just head over to the show notes and snag your spot. Um, we would love, love, love to see you in there. And yeah, until next week when we have the Q&A pod, which is coming down the pipes. Um, oh, also fun fact, I totally forgot to mention this earlier, but I'm moving. <laughs> um, you probably know that if you follow me on Instagram, but um, if you want all the goods and um, some fun stuff around the house, uh, we are actually getting the keys as this episode drops and moving in two days from now um, to our new house. Uh, still in Chicago, um, just moving five minutes away from our current place, but I'm so stoked and I can't wait to share with you guys on the gram. So head over there to see all the photos and all of the goods. And as always, come say hi. Let me know um, that you loved this episode. Make sure that you follow um, Gabrielle and and let her know what you loved in this episode as well. Uh, we both love to hang out on Instagram. And so I love connecting with y'all on there too. So until next week, I will see you on the flip side, my love. Bye-bye.